Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us today. All right, now let's check out a recap of this past Sunday's experience. We hope you are blessed. (laughs) Caleb, why are you amening when they pie me in the face? Do you have something against me, my brother? All right, listen. Measuring, that's what baking all comes down to. Or in Pastor Rachel's case, uh, cheating with some elf cookies, right? So welcome to week two of the great American baking show Christmas edition. It is our series that, listen, I want to tell you, before I got married, I had no idea what baking was all about. I had no idea that it was a science until Tabitha forced me to watch the Food Network instead of watching sports 24-7. So in baking... You know, you can take one little thing and mess it all up because you don't measure. You measure the baking soda wrong or baking powder wrong. I don't even know what the difference is, right? But you put the wrong thing in there, it goes a mess. Like one time, (laughs) I substituted salt for sugar and then with some really salty blueberry muffins. I'm just going to tell you, true story Um, because they were both white, and I was like, whatever. All right, so this got me thinking, isn't baking a lot like our lives? What a great concept for teaching this series, because in one moment, when we are not calculated by what we do, we can completely mess up our lives. We don't measure the moments in our lives when we don't do those things, when we're not paying attention. It's so easy to fail instead of thrive. Because life is not measured by time. Like many people mark things by time. Life is measured, though, by moments. And every moment in your life, you're going to make a daily decision that's going to affect all the other outcomes, is it not? So today, we're going to continue this Christmas message series. And it's really not about baking. It's really not about cooking or the science behind it all. It's about measuring. Measuring life by moments. I like to call them God moments. It's those holy moments where the Lord breaks into our regular, everyday, walking kind of life, right? And he's like, here's a new recipe. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm calling you to do. And then then he gives you these instructions up front that you're like, what? Right? But in the back of your mind, you kind of realize that he's still, whatever it looks like up front, he's going to make something great out of your life. Because at first, when you get that urging of the Holy Spirit, right, to come with grips of what God is calling you to do, urging you to do, if you are like me, and you may not be, but you, you tend to freak out because it looks so big and so impossible. But I'm telling you, if you are obedient, like we taught last week with Joseph, we see that instead of a disaster that it could be, he outbakes every single one of our expectations, And even if we're in the prep time, right, and that stretching time or in the waiting for the yeast to rise kind of time, if we, you got that kind of moment in your life and it's this preparatory season and it's a lot longer than you thought it would be, or even if the ingredients that God is throwing into your life might be a little bit spicier than you would like them to be because turmoil in the kitchen is never fun, tests and trials of in your life, they're not, they're not fun to endure but they get you to trust the recipe maker. Hmm. And even if I would prefer not to have my life chopped up in a food processor like I did my finger, right? Because it doesn't feel good to be broken down. 
and to be spilt out and then let the King of Kings be able to put you back together the way that he wants. I know that I know that I know that the master chef is doing what he's supposed to be doing with my life. And what's incredible to me is that all those little things that you go through, that I go through, it, it, they all have a purpose, right? Jeremiah 29, 11 says that, you know, I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Like he is making a declaration. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has got it in the grips and there's the science of God's plans. I don't understand why he is so calculated, but he is. And he has these holy moments where he steps into your life, steps into my life, and all of it creates this journey that we get on and it takes us to where he wants us to go, where he is working in us and creating us who he wants us to be. You and I are still writing the story of God one moment at a time with our lives. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? Why? Because life's not measured by time. Life is measured in these moments, these God holy appointed moments. And as we quickly approach Christmas, y'all, because we're almost halfway there, isn't it crazy? We sit at this time and you'll hear music playing on the radio or like you'll hear a message like this and it makes you reflect on the story about how Jesus came to this earth, how he came to be. So this year, you know, I think we're gonna wrap it up by talking about what it looks like to have God sent to earth kind of like a recipe. Meaning that God the Father was so calculated. He was so measured in everything that he did. I'm gonna tell you something today that blew my mind this week. And everything that he does, he does. And he puts these holy moments in because God is so, so holy. But at first glance, when you look at the Father's plan, you look at the recipe and you're like, that's gonna be a disaster from the get-go if you look at it with eyes that have not seen what you've seen in your past where God has come through. If you look at it with carnal eyes and not realizing that the chef has the perfect recipe in mind, even though we don't know what the outcome is gonna look like, what's that gonna bake up to be? I don't know. But if you look at the recipe up front for the Christmas story, you're like, oh, I might have written that a little bit differently, right? Pregnant teenager by the Holy Spirit. That's how it starts, right? And she's unwed and she's <laughs> pledged to be married to, which was basically they were already married until they had the ceremony, right? She's pledged to the super religious Jewish guy. And so that's a mess because God made you prego. Oh my, right? They're both poor as dirt. They come from nowhere, a podunk town called Nazareth, which we're gonna talk more about today. And then God throws in two tablespoons of having to go on a journey of when you're nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey to ride into town to go get a census. And then he, he like <laughs> dumps into the recipe, uh, there's no room for you to give birth here once you arrive. Go out to the barn and give birth to the king of all kings, the son of the very God. So you can't tell me that doesn't sound like a recipe for a total mess, right? So when I look at my life, and I'm thinking, how in the world does this all get pieced together? I don't have to know. Because I know the one who holds the recipe in his hand. Oh, how God is so calculated.
so measured, mm. so purposeful in the plans that he has for us, so intentional with the story that he is weaving constantly, that he's still creating through you and through me. So in the series, The Great American Baking Show, we're gonna look at three specific holy moments that deal with the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ coming to this earth and to look about how measured these moments, these measured moments, how they cataclysmically change the entire world. When it looked literally impossible for this all to work out, it works out with the most amazing holy story that only God himself could write. So last week we looked at holy moment number one, which is a very powerful moment. It's a very powerful moment of obedience. Everybody say obedience. So what we talked about last week was the obedience of Joseph to go ahead and take Mary as his wife. Even though she was pregnant at the time and it was not his baby, he had a trust that she actually saw an angel and he had a believer. And from his decision, we learned that we have no idea what God can do through just one moment of our obedience. Joseph's story proves to us that you and I don't have to completely understand to obey immediately. You don't have to know every detail. I don't know how everything is going to be ironed out. I just know that it is. I don't need to understand all the certain things that are happening or all the things that are being taken away from the recipe or added to the recipe of my life. But what do we have to do? We have to trust the recipe maker. Hmm. You and I don't need to know how it's going to turn out in the end, and we don't have to, as long as we know that God is there in the very beginning. So today, we're going to look at another measured moment by God. Oh, I love this story. And it's, it's so great because it's the greatest story of all time. Today's holy moment number two that gets added to the recipe is a huge scoop of surrender. Everybody say surrender. surrender. We're going to talk about surrender through the context of Mary having this encounter with this like amazing boss angel named Gabriel, all right? Now this Christmas season, here's what I know. All of us have something to surrender. Like what is it you're holding so tight to that you think that you have to control? Is there a relationship perhaps that you have to surrender? Is there this job opportunity that you're trying to figure out whether you should take it or not? Surrender it to God, give it to God. Our responsible, we are responsible. Your responsibility, my responsibility is to obey. It's his job to create the outcome. You know, perhaps it's your future. I know some of you are graduating this week in December. It's graduation week or maybe coming up in May and you're trying to figure out what to do or you just started college and you're like trying to pick a major, trying to figure out what to do with your life. You need to surrender that to God. Maybe it's a wayward child and you've raised her right and she's going the opposite way of loving Jesus or you've raised him knowing God, loving God, serving God and he's doing all the other things that you taught him not to do. Or maybe it's this idea of being generous in the culture of our context right now that's super duper selfish, where it's easy to hold on to control because the economy is horrible and things are what, right? But God says we are supposed to be a blessing to the people around us. So but before we go down this road, what does surrender even look like? Because we hear this word and sometimes we think, I think it has like such a negative context. And, but if you watch the, make, you know, the Great American Baking Show, right? I love it. In round two, 
It's so mean. They throw this unknown recipe at these people and they leave things out on purpose for them to figure out how to make something. And so it like wrecks some of them. And you can tell who is going to make it through the skill drill and who is not. Like some souffles, they're just going to sink. Some of them are going to be like burnt to a crisp. Some of them have lost their patience and they're just like, forget it. You can tell in their face that some of them are about to throw in the towel. They know that they're going home after this. Essentially, they've given up, right? They're not going to win this round, and they're going to be ones that are like voted out, going home, giving up. Dude, it has like a negative connotation sometimes for many of us. But in our context, surrender is not giving up. It's trusting God over ourselves. Maybe think of it this way. Surrendering isn't giving up, it's letting go of control. See, the Hunter House over the last three years uh, have been in a bake-off blow-up. Like if we had a reality show, dude, I would be so filthy rich because they would have to keep making seasons to see how it all turned out. <laughs> you couldn't script this stuff. Health issues, mental health issues, car crashes, several near-death experiences. And I'm not being dramatic. Like through it all, Tab and I have learned through this time, my kids have learned through this time, surrender. It's not just a moment in time, it's moments all the time. See, if my life, if my life had not been surrendered to God, I would not have survived 2021, 2022, and definitely not 2023, period. Surrender, it's, it's daily, it's weekly, it's all the time. Surrender is not just a moment in time, it's surrender moments all the time. Now, remember, life isn't measured necessarily by time. It's not measured by like how you grow up, where you go to school, like all these little passages of life, like, well, year one, year two. Like, I know that we all think like 2024 is coming. It's a new start. It is a new start in our mindset. But things can happen on the 31st over the night of the first. I don't know how you're going to mark that, but I'm telling you, if there's a holy moment, who cares? Because it's about the moment. These moments come with surrendering with whatever plans that you've got and laying it down and picking up what God says, I have these plans for your life, declares the Lord. Amen. Truth be known, the story about Mary and Gabriel is way beyond crazy. Just gonna say that. It's like way beyond crazy over the snippets of the last three years of my life. Like I look at this and I'm like, whoo, glad I wasn't there, right? And hopefully you'll never have heard the story in the way that I'm about to reveal it to you. So I hope when I tell this or retell this, I hope that your heart just feels this moment of surrender. So let me go ahead and start by saying, this story is insane. You've probably heard it many times, but have you ever stopped to think about how legitimately crazy it sounds? Like, I think I just read it and gloss over like, oh, that's the Christmas story. And I'm like, whoa, I hit the brakes this week. And I'm like, let me break this down. I have a mouthful to tell you. All right, Luke 1, 26. It says, in the sixth month, everybody say sixth month. Oh, it's gonna be important today. The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel. Who's Gabriel? First of all, he's one of two angels named in all of scripture. And he shows up three times, okay? Once to Daniel, and then he shows up again to Zechariah, right? Who is Elizabeth's husband. And then he waits, and then six months later shows up to this little girl, and look at the place where he went. Nazareth, right? So you might think that Nazareth is like this bustling town with cars, or not cars, but like rows and carts with horses. Maybe they had horns, I don't know. Me, 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 me. 
Uh, listen, you don't know what kind of noise they made with their mouth. Uh, here's the thing. When, like, you study these things and you look at, like, what archaeologists have pulled out and scholars believe, Nazareth is literally 10 to 30 acres. Split the difference, let's just say 20. My house sits on four acres of land. That's one-fifth of Nazareth. And I was I'm like, what? Nazareth had a boasting population of maybe 300 people. Put it this way, the Knowles Stadium holds 82,000 plus fans. The people of Nazareth could not even fill up a concession stand. Right? It's crazy. It's little. It's itty bitty. And then why all of a sudden, like, you would think, like, she would freak out because she feels like a nobody from nowhere because in John 1, Jesus is out there, like, and he's telling his disciples, I love this. So when Jesus grows up and he starts his public ministry and he starts calling people, he calls Philip and he's like, Philip, come on, let's go. And Philip's like, wait a minute, I'm gonna go get Nathaniel. And so he runs over to Nathaniel and he's like, Nathaniel, we gotta go. Like I found the one that scripture has been talking about. Like this is the guy, he is the Messiah, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Let's go. Nathaniel's, <laughs> Nathaniel's response was, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It doesn't even have a road in it. Coon bottom is bigger. That's in scripture, right? Um, it's like, it's a bunch of nonsense. 20 acre Nazareth, no way, bro. There's nothing that good that comes out of there. That's, that's not where the Messiah is gonna come. So hear me. I'm about to drop some word of knowledge on you right now. I don't know what you're facing, but let me tell you, some of you feel like you're in a Nazareth kind of place. And your journey may have a broken background with a lot of places that you never thought you would be or would ever want to be. And you find yourself somewhere, sometimes feeling like you are a nobody in the middle of nowhere. But God is pulling you out of those places. And he's gonna do something greater than you think. And you might think, I don't have the looks, I don't have the education, I don't have the experience. But guess what, it doesn't matter. If God is calling you, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're exactly, listen, because of your circumstance, because of your situation, God is going to use it. Never doubt what God can do. So it's in this context of Nazareth, this nowhere place, that this angel shows up. Gabriel comes down. Look at verse 27. He comes down to a virgin named Mary, and she's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. Now, here's the thing. Go back and listen to the message about obedience last week of Joseph, if you missed, okay? I promise you, it, some of it, it will wreck you, and then you're gonna be like, oh, I love Joseph, and then you're like, I have some things to learn. But let me show you how hard this was for Joseph. It creates this, like, crazy extra dynamic to the story, but I want to remind you in the middle of this, this one big thing that I dropped on you last week. Mary was 14 years old, maybe 15, who's living in nowhere Israel, who has no clue about what's to happen. Verse 28, Gabriel appealed to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? Not about anything about a birth, about what he said to her. She was confused and disturbed. 
See, here's the thing I told you. Gabriel appeared three times in the Bible, two times before Mary visited. He, he showed up to Daniel, showed up to Zechariah. And according to the Bible, those two men, when they saw him, they fell to the ground, face down to the ground. And the Bible said they both shook with fear. Gabriel is a beast of a dude. However, with Mary, that's not what the Bible records. She's not scared. She's disturbed and confused about what he just said. Why did he say, greetings, favored woman of the Lord, the Lord is with you? What's so bad about that? Right? I mean, ladies, wouldn't you want to hear an angel say, greetings, favored woman? Like, that should be empowering, right? Like, yes, Gabe, I am. What? Like, don't ever put that on a, on a roll. I'll kill you. All right? If that becomes a boomerang tomorrow on, on, on Insta, I'm going to murder you, Pastor Stephanie, with love. All right. Unless, see, listen, it's not bad unless you don't believe what he said. Unless you think... How in the world could that be me? How, why are you here? I'm a teenage girl in Nazareth. What are you doing here? Because sometimes I think in these moments where you don't feel like you were callable, God is calling you to do his work. And it doesn't matter where you're at, what you look like, what you have, what you don't have, what skill set you, you think that you need. It's not on you anyways. The outcome's on the Lord. And therefore, you're the perfect person for God to start to do a work in. She's disturbed. And the angel said, hey, the Lord is with you. And in scripture, if you've ever seen an angel show up and he says, hey, greetings, favorite woman, favorite man, the Lord is with you. Guess what? That means buckle your seatbelt. You are in for a crazy new ride. It's about to go nuts in your life because a big old angel who shows up uh, one other time besides the moment that you're dealing with, come on, he's got something big to say, right? Lord, please don't send Gabriel to my life. All right, listen. She's disturbed because she knows whatever's about to happen is it's just literally gonna be like the most epic adventure, but yet scary and insane all at the same time because God has handpicked her to do something. He didn't just send Gabriel to the earth to pick up some goat milk, right? And now she's gonna have to surrender her ideas of what life was going to be like, getting ready to get married, right? Have all these like preparations? Nope. In just one moment, one moment, she's gonna have to surrender. And then from there on out, it's not just one moment in time, it's every moment all the time. Because there's gonna be a future. <laughs> Where the mom of Christ is gonna be needed as she holds the Christ is gonna have to be held by God at the same time to make it through what she's going to have to go through. So moving on, look at verse 30. We see the angel says, hey, Mary, don't be afraid. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Favor with God. That phrase, that, that concept right here is in the Greek. It's from the word charis, and it means unmerited favor, meaning undeserved kind of favor. But God says, I think you're deserving. This idea shows up for the first time in the Old Testament. This is what I love right here. Listen, and it's about Karis. Is what he says about Noah. The character of Noah is described by having Karis, favor of God, of God's eyes on Noah's life. And then Noah built the ark 
you may or may not know. And when the earth got flooded, he saved humanity through an ark. The first time in the New Testament where this is portrayed and you hear the word charis, it's on Mary who will have Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he will save humanity from their sin. I hope your mind is exploding right now because don't you see how measured our God is? And this recipe, when you look at it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but our God is purposeful in everything that he says, everything that he does, everything that he will do, because he's creating the most beautiful masterpiece that we can never even possibly imagine. Jump in on verse 31. Here's what happens. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Don't miss the fact right here in Mary's mind. It's like, oh my goodness, He's about to fulfill Isaiah 74, where the scripture says the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary has heard this her entire life. She knows exactly what's going down. She knows that God is about to do something big and he's going to send the savior and it's going to be a virgin and the Messiah is going to be born and it's going to be such a, an amazing event because he's going to rescue the world. Pause. And she's a little teenager in her mind and thinking, hold up, wait a minute. That's me? No, wait, it, it can't be me. Uh, sorry, you got the wrong address. I'm just Mary. I, I, I'm just from Nazareth. And then verse 32, Gabriel proclaims to her, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. This is Gabriel, not just saying something, but declaring with authority so that she grasps that, oh yeah, this is happening. And that yes, she is the chosen one. He's, he's telling Mary to remember the covenant way back that God said to David in Psalm 89, that that God made to David where he says, I will establish your descendants as kings forever. So it's about to go down, right? And it's gonna take you, Mary, to accomplish it. Now in this moment, God also breaks 400 years of silence when he shows up to her cousin's husband, and then to her. God has not talked at all to his people. No messages, no prophets, no angels, no showing up in burning bushes, nada. And then you see that the last time that God showed up on the scene was in, in the OT, this prophet Malachi. It goes way back in the Old Testament. And then there's 400 years of God not saying anything, no communication. Do you understand? This is 151 more years than the United States existed. Doesn't that sound like a long, long time ago now, right? We say 400 years, like, oh, 400 years. No, 400 years, like almost double of America's life with nothing said from the Lord. He's not gone anywhere. He's just not talking. He's adding to the recipe. He's adding some ingredients. He just hasn't thrown them all in the mixing bowl until now. Gabriel first shows up to Zechariah. Then six months later, he goes to Mary. Think about 400 years. Imagine that 
Someone's supposed to pick you up. They're coming to save you. But nobody shows up. Didn't show up for grandma. Didn't show up for great-grandma. Didn't show up for great-great-grandma. Didn't show up for great-great-great-great-grandma, right? And you're probably thinking, why are we still waiting around? Is he ever going to show up? Then boom. He appears to Zachariah. You can't believe it. And then six months later, he talks to Mary. Look at verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but hold on. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. That's a great question, Mary. How is that going to happen? And it was almost like, hey, Gabriel, I don't know if you know how it works down here, down here on this earth, uh, but it doesn't work that way, right? Then the angel replies to her in this next verse. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. Now look at what the next thing, it's, it's the thing that convinces Mary of what said, that this is even possible. He says, oh, what's even more? Your relative Elizabeth has been pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she conceived a son, and now she is in her sixth month. This is John the Baptist. He's six months ahead of Jesus. He is holy, and he's gonna call all the people to repent and turn to Christ. And then he says this to Mary, and I love her response. Immediately, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you said about me come true. Then the angel left her. I'm like, uh, what just happened, right? She asked the question, I'm a virgin, how does this happen? And then the very next thing, he's like, oh, okay. So Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you, blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, oh, he's like, oh, wait, uh, Elizabeth, she's pregnant, she's old, right? But she's gonna have a baby. And then Mary's response is, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be done. Let's roll, right? It's because he's showing her that with God, anything is possible. Elizabeth is old, and this is a miracle. Mary knows it. Think in your life. There's a moment that does not look like it is going to happen. I'm not saying you're having an immaculate conception, right? But the Spirit of God is going to birth a dream inside of you. There's going to be a moment where God begins to change your heart, and you're like, oh, man, you are rerouting my life. But your response is completely up to you. Will you respond like Mary? Maybe you need to have something convince you. Maybe you need to look back six months ago or look at your past and see how the God of miracles made the impossible happen for you. Maybe you need to look back and see how the Lord came through for you when there was zero chances of it happening. Maybe you need to look back and say, Oh my Lord, you have new mountain and mountain in my life. And so, yes, God, with you, I understand all things are possible. So God, I'm going to trust you. I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. Amen. So let's go six months back in her story, and then I'm going to wrap it up. But you see that Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, okay? So Elizabeth and Zachariah, as the Bible put her, are well advanced in their years. Now, there's some of us that are sitting here today that feel it will uh, advance in our years. Uh, what does that mean? But in this account, when we're looking at her life, she's in her late 60s, like pushing 70, and now she's pregnant. I don't know how many 65-year-olds that you see walking around that are pregnant, but it's rare, okay? 
Now, why does all this, I keep saying six months, six months, six months. Why is this all happening six months later? Ladies, because if you're six months pregnant, guess what? What do people know? You got a baby bump. You can't hide that baby bump at six months in. Nobody can doubt it. And God knows that's gonna be key for Mary because the story keeps going. And actually, as we see in our next verse, it says a few days later, everybody say a few days. A few days later, Mary heard all the way to the hill country. Sure, hurry, all the way to Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. And she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's getting rich. Listen, now, let me point something out to you that I don't think I've ever seen before. Like I watch like all these Christmas movies, right? And I see Mary going to go see Elizabeth, and Mary shows up, and she got this pregnant belly, right? Mine are donuts, but hers was a child. Totally inaccurate. This is accurate. Mary's is not, right? She just went a few days after Gabriel showed up and says, you're prego. Listen, she had no belly bump. She's not showing. She's scared out of her mind. She's confused. The Bible said she is disturbed. What is happening to me? I'm a nobody from nowhere. I got engaged to a man and I got to go talk to him and he is going to flip out. Or worse, have a council stone me and this might be the end of my life. She's trying to wrap her mind about the events that have occurred. Why has this angel come to me? And here's what I love about how our God is so unbelievably measured that he knows what we can and we just cannot handle. So he is so loving that he had Gabriel wait six months to go back to earth to tell Mary that she's gonna have Jesus. Why? Because Mary is like all of us, guys. The Lord is agreeing with me. See, when God tells you something big, you don't have to believe in yourself. Because most of the people don't. When God tells you something big, nobody believes that they can do it. Mary didn't believe in herself. The angel leaves, and then this girl takes off. A few days later, shows up to Elizabeth's house, and here's what happens. When Elizabeth greets her, it says that Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Um, let me tell you something. She better be filled with the Holy Spirit because I don't know about you, but I have never told a lady with a flat stomach, oh, you look pregnant. Nope, that's called a throat punch. Listen, everybody knows you don't do that, but Elizabeth tells her. It's not like they were texting. They didn't have any phones, right? So she shows up, 14, not married, thinking I'm gonna get chewed out. I may have tried to explain this to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is going to be like, oh, I don't know. Like, do, do you believe me that an angel has showed up? Would you believe me? I wouldn't believe myself. That's probably what she's thinking. But before Mary can even say anything about the story, Elizabeth says, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Who does that sound like? Exactly what Gabriel just told her. Oh, greetings favored above all women. It's the same greeting because sometimes God has just got to remind you that you really are favored, that you really are chosen. Even when we don't feel like it and we don't think that we are, If you are a child of God, you better believe it. And God has got 
to show up sometimes is to remind all of us again and again and again that we are favored. Do you hear me, church? If you are in a walking, everyday relationship with him, his hand is upon you. You are chosen, you are called, and you are favored, a son or a daughter in this life. And Elizabeth goes on in verse 43, and I love this. She says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Talk about some Holy Spirit insight. The lady is speaking a word of knowledge uh, like unlike the world has ever known. Elizabeth says, when, when I heard the greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed, wait for it, because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You believed, and in your belief, Mary, you surrendered, and you surrendered your will, and you accepted what God has set you up to do. In this moment, Mary doesn't pray, Lord, change thy will, <laughs> Right? But she prays the greatest prayer. Lord, let thy will be done. I surrender or I give my life to you. In this moment, like this is the moment for Mary that she could see that the recipe of God was good. And somehow, some way, it's all going to work out the way that it's supposed to for her good. And in that moment was this turning moment. It was a holy moment, a moment that Mary would need for the very rest of her life seeing that God could do miracles because she had to figure out this plan and live this plan that just did not make sense to her. She's raising the son of God, but she's going to have to trust that the one who's writing this recipe for the story is a miracle working God and is going to make it work out for her good because she's chosen, she is called. Because you see, Mary was going to endure all sorts of trials. Like, I don't, I don't know if you just like ever look and study Mary's life. But like from the get-go, they had to escape Herod. And she lost her husband at an early age. Joseph's life was, was cut short. She became a widow. Then she had to watch her baby boy grow up to a man and endure just the trials of ministry. I don't know if you know about ministry, but it's, it's stinking hard. And then constantly having to deal with daily spiritual warfare as the enemy was always trying to crush him. Demons were screaming at him, trying to hurt him. People that were religious people were trying to constantly take him out. And she inevitably had to watch him endure the cross. But now she's got to go back and talk to Joseph. What's going to happen next? Will she face all the public ridicule? Do you understand that people will doubt her story for the rest of her life and think that Mary is a liar? She's going to walk through a blessed life, but it's going to be a hard life. And then she's going to have to watch at the end of her son's life, this precious mama is going to have to watch her baby boy beaten until he is unrecognizable, nailed to a criminal's cross, a dying, this death that he never deserved. All oh, so she, his mom, could be saved by him. Whew. And that's what Mary comes to understand in this moment that the life ahead that God is calling her to is not gonna be an easy road. She's gonna be raising the Messiah. And because Mary understands that surrender is not just this moment in time, but it's every moment all the time, she's gonna to have to lean on the Lord as she raises his one and only son. What a quest, what a life, what a journey, what a calling. See, surrender, it's a lifestyle of depending on God for your very next step for your very next decision, for your very next breath.
all of us have to surrender to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. All of us have something personal to, to, to surrender on top of that. So like, what's God calling you to do this Christmas season? Maybe you haven't surrendered your life. Maybe you need to get into a relationship. For those that are saved, that know Jesus, that walk with Jesus, what, what's God calling you to become that's different in this moment? What dream is he like making come alive in you that feels completely impossible? Like beyond your reach, beyond your cognitive understanding, right? How in this quiet, still, rainy, holy moment, Something's about to change in somebody's life. What impossible situation are you facing? Surrender it. Lay it down. Trust the recipe maker for your life. And you might not feel worthy. Guess what? Nobody does. Not even the mother of God. And I pray that today that God says to you, hey, look, I've got you. I've got you. I'm taking you. Trust me. Just follow the recipe. Follow me. The plans I have for your life. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They're to give you hope. They're to give you a future. Right now where you're sitting, I'm telling you, like, this is some holy ground kind of moment. This is, this is a holy moment, a moment of surrender where you can say, Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. May it be unto me as you have said. Today, surrender to God. I'm telling you, tomorrow, surrender it to God. And the next day, and the next. Because we know that surrender is not just a moment in time. It's every moment, all the time. Trust the Lord. Surrender to him today. And just watch him do the impossible in your life. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for stories that just seem so out of reach, so impossible. It proves, Lord, over and over again, God, that when you speak it, Lord, it will be done. Lord, I just ask every single person in this room, Lord, I just ask God that you would just Start recalling, Lord, right now, memories. Every, every memory, Lord, just let it flood their mind of when you've come through for them. How you've split some seas for their life. Let them remember the altars, Lord, that they've built that says, here's where God moved. This is when God stepped in. This is where God redirected my life. This is where God stepped in and stopped me from wrecking my life. Now, Lord, let those memories, Lord, be the catalyst to trust you for all that is ahead in the future. The Spirit of God, hover in this place. Convict our souls. 
Listen, if you don't have right relationship with Jesus today, nobody's looking at you. Just lift up your hand. I'm gonna pray with you specifically and I'm not gonna call you down here. I'm not embarrassing you. But maybe you've been away from the Lord for a really long time. And you have no idea why you just dragged yourself back into church. But I'm telling you, God knew you were coming today. He's the one that got you here. Or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus ever. God's saying, stop waiting. Time is right now. That you just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray with you today, too. There's one. There's two brave people. Maybe that's you online. It doesn't matter where you're at. The Spirit of God is everywhere. And he's calling you to get into a right relationship with Jesus today. Right in that chat box, I choose Jesus. And you and the people that raise their hand in this room, we're going to pray together. And God is going to sweep into your life and change you from the inside out. He's going to take what is broken and hurting and lost. And he's going to make you brand new and hit the reset button on your life right now. Can you pray this with me? God, I need you right now. I need you to come into my life. I need you to clean me up, wash me white as snow. Lord, forgive me of all my sins, of everything I've ever done to hurt you. Now, Lord, make me new. I believe you died and rose again for me. And from this moment forward, I choose you, Jesus Christ, to be my Savior for the rest of my life. And from this moment on, I am yours. I surrender. Here I am. Choose me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's been a good day to be in God's house. Amen. Thanks for bearing the weather. I know it's crazy, but, you know, Pastor Rick said to me the other day, he said, people want to be really close to Jesus, man, and they want that, they want to walk on water, but they don't want to walk through water to get to church, so, you know, it's probably going to be a low day, and I was like, yeah, you're right, that's okay, but I'm glad that you All right, thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday at 10.31 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person every Sunday at 10.31 right here at 4070 Mission Road in Tallahassee. God bless you and have a great day.